0: Hello there, our dear listeners. Welcome to the HSK Student Pod. This is Richard, your host from the HSK Ethics team. Thank you for joining us on episode 15 of the HSK Student Pod. It's a pleasure to have you as one of our listeners. I hope you are fine despite the winter, cold weather and the ongoing challenges. As usual, I want to start off by thanking you all our listeners for the continuous positive feedback and creative ideas you continue to give regarding the HSK Student Pod, especially the last day, episode 14, which had over 600 listeners. Please, do not stop. We encourage you to keep sending in any ideas you have got and to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. This will help continue building the HSK staff student community. This episode is special because it's the last episode for 2020 before we break off for the Christmas break. I just wonder where the 12 months have all gone and how we have managed to go through the past challenging months. As usual, I do not want to let you down. I have several special guests lined up for you who are going to share wonderful and inspirational messages with us. And I hope you enjoy this episode. First, we have an introduction message from Karen Atkinson, our Associate Dean for Learning, Teaching and Student Experience. Karen is going to give us some general news and updates on what's going on in the school. I now hand you over to Karen.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Karen Atkinson, and I'm the Associate Dean Learning, Teaching and Student Experience in the School of Health and Social Work. I'd like to welcome you to the December edition. Of our HSK podcast. Things have been more than a little different in 2020, and it will be a very different kind of holiday season, too, for most of us. First of all, I want to thank you for all of your hard work this semester and for realizing that the staff have been working incredibly hard to support you through this difficult period. As you've no doubt heard many times before, we are all in this together, and it has meant so much to the staff to hear positive feedback from you about the teaching and learning experiences you have had since September. We know that it hasn't been easy, but hopefully we will see more of you on campus next semester. As you know, due to government directives, all face-to-face teaching had to end by December the 9th to allow a window for those of you who need to travel home to get there before December the 25th. Remember, you also have the opportunity to undertake non symptomatic COVID testing before you go, so allowing time for self isolation if necessary. During this holiday season, I hope you all manage to take some time out to relax, whether that's with family or friends, or for some of you, I know you will be here on the university campus, and so I hope you can spend some time with your student colleagues. Supported by the University of Hertfordshire staff. I know that some students will be working on placement until the vacation period. So I hope you're still enjoying your placements and then can stop for a well earned rest over the holiday season. For all students who live at a distance from the university and have to travel home, I wish you a good journey and that you get home safely. For those at home already, do get off the computer. Many of us won't be travelling as much to visit friends and relatives this year, but that doesn't mean we need to be short of festive spirit. I hope your holiday season is filled with laughter, joy and peace. As Mark Twain said, life is short, break the rules, forgive quickly, kiss slowly, love truly, laugh uncontrollably and never regret anything that made you smile. holiday and here's to a better 2021. Looking forward to seeing you in January.
0: Thank you Karen for that beautiful introduction and for sharing with us the important news plus keeping us up to date on what's going on in the school. Thanks Karen. We feel COVID-19 has brought a lot of ongoing challenges and negative news. It's clearly having a major impact on our personal, social and professional lives including those that we love this is indeed a testing time for every single person but we also know behind the suffering and ongoing challenges we have also got some success stories despite the challenges that we are going through for this monthly student success stories we have our guests omara a recent adult nursing graduate student kalichi a second year adult msc nursing student felix a second-year mental health student. Felix, by the way, is also a committee member for the Nursing Society, which he runs with three other colleagues in the school. Omala, Kellychi and Felix are all students from the School of Health and Social Work at the University of Hertfordshire. They are going to share a brief message with us on how they have managed to succeed in their studies and clinical placement roles despite the ongoing COVID-19 lockdown challenges. I now hand you over to Julia, who had the opportunity of meeting and interviewing Omala, Kelechi and Felix.
2: So hello to Lara, Kalici, and Felix. I'd like to welcome you to the HSK Student Pod. We're very happy to have you as guests today. So thank you for coming. Can you start off telling us a little bit about yourselves?
3: We start with Lara. Hi, um, my name is Lara, or Mulara, but you can call me Lara. I am a newly qualified nurse. I just graduated from University of Latreshire, August, September twi- 2020. Yeah. And uh, yes. thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, I'm actually working at the moment at UCLH in Warren Street University College, London Hospital. Okay. And uh, yeah, I'm enjoying myself so far. No. <laughs> a bit scary. But,
4: yeah, again there. Well done, that's great. Good to hear. Thank you, Lara. <laughs> Kelechi? My name is Kelechi Vivian Nkukwelo. I'm a final year MSc Adult Nursing student, the two year program. I'm from Nigeria. I'm an international student and I'm currently having yeah. my placement at Banet Hospital.
2: Excellent. Thank you. Welcome. And Felix?
5: Hello there. Hi. Uh, my name is uh, Felix Wetaya. I'm a second year student here at Hertfordshire University doing mental health. I'm very honoured to be here on the HSK student pod.
2: Excellent, well thank you for participating. It's really good to hear your experiences. So that's great, really good to meet you. So before we go any further, I just want to ask how you all are really and how you think you're managing to cope with the ongoing COVID-19
3: lockdown challenges? Should we start with Laura again? Yes, <laughs> sure. That's right. <laughs> for me, obviously, just qualifying during the COVID, obviously, I started my final year placements, which is my management, 12 weeks management during COVID. So for me, that's quite a big, you know, a big change. No one thought that it's going to be like this at all. I was looking forward to, you know, finishing my placement, just finishing, you know, yeah. uni actually. <laughs> I had the year out because. I was pregnant in my end of second year. So I take a year out and come back again. So to do my final year. So for me, I was looking forward to finishing and just going. So I'm having to do my 12 weeks placement during yeah. the COVID was it, it was a bit of a challenge mm-hmm. at the beginning, but actually enjoyed my time. I was actually, I was, I'm happy that I actually did it during that time because yeah. To be able to work alongside a lot of experienced nurses, a lot of amazing nurses, a lot of management, like all the specialist nurses, doctors. So for me, it was quite happy that I was able to do my management. And I was put in the the eye dependency unit as well, whereby it was obviously a lot of COVID patients and everything. So for me, I actually enjoyed it. So yeah. Good experience. Even though I've been newly qualified as well and working in a world that is partly COVID as well, I wouldn't say I've gone through it, but I've mm, been yeah. there and uh, I've experienced how to you know, look after a patient that's got COVID. So it's, it's, for me, it's more of like, OK, I'm in my elements, but at the same time, it can be a bit scary. And uh, it just mentally, as well, it can be a bit of a challenge. But yeah, so far, so yes. good. I'm um, not too bad. I'm, I'm doing OK. Good, good. Good to hear. Thank yeah. you very yeah. much for that. Very interesting. And yeah. Kalichi, how
2: do you think you've, you've been coping with the whole situation?
4: Well, it was unexpected, but I think we have learned that we're going to live with this. And if you are a health and social care student, you just have to know that it's time we embrace it. You know, during COVID, some of us were asked to opt in and we noticed that a lot of us actually opted in. And um, let me say I was privileged to be one of the first people who actually experienced COVID because my ward then during placement was turned into the COVID world. All that initial confusion that came up with it, the right PPE to put on, the, should students be there, should students not be there. We mm. also, oh, all saw yes. all that happened. And with, coming back to placement now, it, it looks as if things are normal. It's, it's true, there's still COVID, but I think we're actually learning to live with it, especially as health and social care students.
2: Exactly. Very good. Thank you very much for that. And Felix, what about yourself?
5: Yeah, with me, it's, uh, it's been quite um, an up and down situation, to be honest, because um, um, my mum recently had a stroke, but that was prior to the COVID. Right. Um, so obviously, when she did come out of hospital, it was around March, the time when we did mm. go into social distancing, when the restrictions really started so i found it very difficult to be able to be there for her because another thing is that because i was studying here at Hertfordshire university and she lives in portsmouth that's where my family is so it was really really difficult for me um to cope but i wanted to be there for her most times i felt i couldn't be there for her because yeah she was uh, deemed to be, um, you know, uh, someone who is more prone to illness, Um, you know, being able to pick up any sort of illness uh, during COVID. So obviously, um, I had to stay away from her. Yeah, I didn't want to stay away from her. Um, So it was really, really, really tough for me. It was a tough period for me. But I had to really try and dig deep and find ways to to overcome that. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, there was all these uh, new measurements in place, you have to wear masks, you have to keep Uh, two meters distance obviously you have to keep the very vulnerable in this case my mom so it was really 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 Mm -hmm. tough for me but eventually had to live with it you have to really grow with it because that's the way things are right now but in the end it is what it is now it's the new normal
2: thank you absolutely i totally agree Thank you for sharing those experiences, because that leads nicely on really to the, the next question, um, because there is a lot of negativity around about COVID-19 for understandable reasons. But we just wonder if you'd like to share any messages to your colleagues and to those listening on perhaps how you've managed to succeed in your studies and your clinical placement roles despite all of the lockdown challenges. And you've touched on that a little bit already, but are there any strategies you think that you could share about how you've succeeded in your programme? Should we start with Laura? Yes. Uh,
3: For me, I think what I would say is that for the first year, second year, or third year as well, going on placements now and obviously having to do some assignments as well while at home and having to take lectures while, while at home as well, I would say prioritize like your timekeeping is going to be a bit challenging at times because i feel like it's not easy having to being at home not seeing your colleagues and your peers and just being at home by yourself studying and everything you need Mm. as much support as you, you can get i had my exams as well before i went to placement and me and my peers we are on whatsapp so we had a group discussion everyone was like oh what are you doing have you done this so it's like a bit of encouragement so what i would say is find as much support with your peers anyone that you know that they in the same tutor group as you get the number try and do yes. like a mini tutorial after seminars or after lectures together on whatsapp on zoom you can use zoom now we were using Ask party then as well just have a, a good discussion on what we've learned and also students I've got like families, that I've got children. I will tell you, it wasn't easy. And for me, becoming a newly mom, one year old, then so it wasn't an easy task, but I did it. You have to find the reason why you started nursing in the first place because that's yes. what actually helped me. Because mm. that was like, okay, mm. I was like, I need to finish this, I need to come out with good grades. And yes. to tell you the truth, my final year was the best year of my old three years at like, uni you know, because that was was when I got the highest grade ever. And I'm so happy and proud. Even my, my partner was so proud because I was like, I, I don't know how I did it, but I did it. And I was yeah. so happy. My grades were good. <clears throat> like, I'm so happy. I couldn't be happier. Really, really good. So that is what, what I was saying. Just put the work in and just do it. Yeah. Just do it. And remember why you, why you wanted to do it in the first place. That's what keeps you motivated. And that was what keeps <clears throat> me motivated. And I finished this. Son as well.
6: <laughs> yes.
3: Yeah, so yeah, So that's that's well why I did say you. that's my advice.
2: Well done. That's really, really good. Excellent <laughs> yeah, thank advice. You. Thank, you. thank you. That's really, really good. A, a great message there. Thank you thank so you. much. And Kalichi, oh, how do you think you've you. managed to succeed in your studies, and your clinical
4: placements? Well, the first challenge, because um, I got to appreciate the LRSC and doing my studies on the LRC. Yeah. So the first challenge I had during COVID in regards to my studies was trying to do it without going to the LRC. I think I fell in love with the big screens. You could see so many things at once and all that. So I had to get used to doing my assignments on my little laptop. Yeah. Um, Fortunately, I got used to doing that. It's true there was COVID. It also meant we had to stay at home. And um, right now we've got assignments and we've got to be at placement. But initially we didn't have to go to placement during COVID and we had more time to do those assignments. So I think yes. it gave us the opportunity to do those assignments even better than we could have done them. Fine, there were distractions at home, but looking at where you're coming from, I mean, I just, I left Africa to come here. You need to like, go my hair. And you have to focus and get those assignments done. I think it helps me to get better grades. In my first year. I was happy when I saw my grades, and I think COVID also had a true and positive story for me in regards to my grades.
2: That's really good to hear. Thank you so much. And and Felix, what about you? Have you got any messages around succeeding in your studies in clinical placements during COVID-19? Challenges?
5: What's been really helping me the most is I've really come to build on my spiritual life, my spirituality. I did join Compass Ministry on Compass, and it's really taken me to heights. That's kind of really helped me a lot. And then also, you have to be really, really resilient, you see. Obviously, you have to follow the rules and regulations in place, the social distancing, making sure you wear the masks as you should. But most importantly, you have to do the few things which you can do. You have to be physically active. Normally, I used to go into the gym, but obviously, I believe from 5th of December, When I re-enrolled for gym, they had closed the gym down down at the Haviland campus, uh, so I wasn't able to use it. What I had to do then is I had to look at other options, other preferences, things that you love to do that you can do within these restrictions we've got, such as jogging or cycling or keeping up in social groups virtually, because most times people now do virtual parties to obviously to prevent COVID nineteen spreading. Yeah, so social groups virtually. It's not the best, to be honest, but it does help because talking about things does help. Part of the things that we learn about in mental health, talking therapies, and there is also a figure up. I don't know if you've heard about it. Students at Hertfordshire University and across all universities in the UK are using it. It's really, really helpful. It does help you a lot because you get to learn so much. It helps you with your positive aspects regarding your mental health, fitness. You can actually learn so much from this app, such Mm. as practicing gratitude, being thankful of life, being Mm. thankful for being a nurse, what you can contribute to society, being able to carry on really, regardless of what's happening. Because honestly, it's, it's a really, really tough time, but there is so much we can do still within the restrictions that we've got. You have to make the most of it yeah you have to you have
2: to i totally agree that's really really good advice particularly with the fika out there because that's interesting that you brought that up i think that's mm. really useful advice for other students yes thank you mm. So you've all highlighted some really key points there and I think some really useful messages for other students listening to this. I think that's, that's really, really good. So thank you so much for sharing your experiences. Really, that's now coming to a close. Just wondered if you have any final messages that perhaps you would want to share to anyone listening because you've shared a lot and I think there's a lot that um, others can learn from you. But just if there's a, a final take-home message I wonder if we start with Kalichi being an international student. Do you have any other
4: tips for any other international students at all? One of the things I would just like to tell my fellow students, especially the international students, is we should remember that we've led the shores of our country and come in here, no matter where it is that you've come from. Mm. And if, if you don't take care, you could just get distracted because there are so many things happening around there are just so many things and you could just get swallowed up in all of it Mm. so just know that the first thing that has brought you here is your studies and you have to you owe it to yourself to do the best your studies and then you could do every other thing that has come up with it you know and there are so many opportunities there are lots and lots of opportunities that you can embrace when you come in here there was something I didn't even mention when I was talking. It was during COVID that I got the privilege to be named student of the year. Oh, well so, done. Ah. Work, yes. Excellent. Well and, done. And this was during, and I didn't know what that was before then. And, <laughs> you know, and I am an international student. <laughs> yes, I didn't know what that was. So we just have to sometimes, where we're coming from, When the lecturer wants to get you to do something, they lay a lot of emphasis on it. Mm. But one thing I found out here is if the lecturer needs you to do something, he just mentions it. He expects you to be mature enough to know that you have to do that. I like to tell all my fellow international students, please pay attention to the academic skills advice. We may, for instance, in Nigeria, we speak English. Mm. The English there is different from the English here. Mm. And now it is the academic English. Please do not take it for granted that you've always learned English all your life. Please pay attention to the academic skills advice. Learn it. Yeah. Like we always say back home, marry it. Yeah. <laughs> so just marry it and <laughs> let it be part of you. And get to know yeah. who Valerie is. Get to know who Patwood is. And they yeah. will definitely help you to go a long yeah. way. Because most of the work we do, most of the yeah. assessment we do is yeah. testing your academic skills. And if you don't have it, it's just not going to be very easy. Thank you, Julia.
2: Excellent. Really good message. Very good message for students, that. Absolutely. Thank you. And um, finally, Felix, do you have any take-home message for others?
5: I think you probably touched on most of the main points, but I believe your emotional intelligence is really, really important whilst we're going through all situations right now with the COVID. But you have to also remember to be resilient as a nurse. Because it's, it's quite tough because you find people have to deal with having to wear a mask 12 hours a day while on shift. It's not easy. I think, Kalechi, I think I might be making a point that you have to find ways on how to cope with that. Probably take regular breaks in between, drink some water in between. It's quite important ask to take a break because especially when you're quite new to wearing a mask, On a regular, it's important to take those short breaks in between, pop out, drink some water, five minutes, get back on the word, carry on. Take those regular breaks if you have to. And then obviously reflect on your day. It's always important to reflect on your day, look at the things that you did well, the things that you didn't do right. How can you improve on that? And then also it is important to really have a good network around you. Your family is really, really important and also the friends that you really network really well with because you have to talk about these things quite regularly it does help so that you don't really have to carry the weight the load all by yourself you say it's quite really really important to talk about these things
2: yeah yeah totally that's,
5: that's 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 all I had to add really on that. Yeah. yes no I totally agree really important mm.
2: point. absolutely I couldn't agree oh. more very very good thank you yeah. And just lastly then, Laura, as yes. already graduated, have you
3: got yes. any messages for those listening? Well, I would say, you can, if I can do it, you guys can do it as well. You just keep doing what you're doing. Just quickly, what I want to say as well in regards to placement is, I know a lot of students are quite afraid because of the COVID and what to expect. Just know that there's enough PPE to look after you while you're on the wall. Don't be afraid. If you're not sure about anything, ask. Since the time I started my final placement, I've seen a lot of nurses, a lot of healthcare professionals working together. From even this year, I can see the collaboration between nurses and doctors, physicians. At the end of the day, we're coming together to work and to look after everybody. And regarding this COVID, because it doesn't even know if you're young, Mm -hmm. if you're old, if you're a doctor, if you're a nurse. So everyone is working together. So don't feel like, oh, you're there, you don't know what you're going to do or you're afraid. Ask anyone. Everyone is there to help you. Don't be ashamed to ask questions. If you don't understand anything, ask. And also what I would say in regarding to obviously this whole COVID and everything, don't start CPR unless you're on a full yes. level 2 PPE. So once you see that the patient is mm. on cardiac arrest, pull the plug, pull the bell, and someone will come oh. immediately. Don't start CPR on the patient when you're not fully dressed with a full PPE on. Make sure you know your procedure, make sure you know the rules and the local policy as well of the yeah. hospital that you're going to. Don't do anything that you feel like you're not competent enough to do because at the end of the day, you're still a student. So yeah. make sure that you ask questions and don't be too shy. Don't feel like the question is stupid because you may feel like it's stupid, but to the healthcare to doctors, there is not because you need mm-hmm. to know. So yeah. don't be too shy to ask questions and just go there. Be prepared and just do as it's your normal world and just make sure you put your PP on, your gloves, your mask on. Look yeah. after yourself as well. It's important. You look after yourself. Look after your yeah. mental health as well and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. If I can do it, you guys can do it. Okay? Yeah, so really, yes yeah. okay. <laughs> again So, actually, yeah. Really, really useful.
2: So that's yeah. really, all been very inspiring. Yeah. Uh, loads to learn from you guys. I think. Yeah,
3: definitely. Really definitely. Amazing. It's been amazing. Thank you for having us as well. Thank you for having cool. us. It's Thank you, Julia. Amazing. Thank
7: you for hosting us.
3: Thank you so Thank much
2: you. for your time. So I know Thank time Thank you has, very much, Julia. Uh, I've enjoyed listening to you all. See you around. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Thank you. Thank Thank you so amazing.
7: much.
0: and Felix, what can I say? What a beautiful, inspirational and empowering message you have left with our listeners. Adding to what Judy has already complimented you with, I am sure all our listeners will be touched and inspired by your messages. You are all indeed ambassadors of the health and social care professionals and a pride for our school. Omara, during the lockdown, most staff and students stayed home. But what you have shown, You and your fellow third-year students were out there on the front line caring for others, and at the same time thinking about those assignments and exams. You were not deterred by the COVID-19 challenges. It was a tough journey, but you did it and successfully graduated. Even on top of that, you got a first-class degree. You should be very proud of yourself. Your lecturers are proud of you too. I am sure all our current student listeners I've been inspired by your message. I also should not forget to thank your baby boy for being so patient during this podcast interview with Julia. Your baby boy was expecting to be with his mom after a long day's work, but instead the HSK Student Pod was taking over your attention. Pass our regards to him. By the way, he's the first baby to be on the HSK Student Pod. Not to forget, Julia, thank you for your creative interview that helped to guide these students in giving us They are inspirational and empowering messages. Also, thank you for coping with the technology challenges during this podcast interview. Sometimes we underestimate the difficulty issues that people have when using these technologies, but you managed to do it and gave us a wonderful message out of your interview. Thanks, Julia. We do appreciate the help from our interviewers. The University of Hertfordshire takes the well-being of its students and staff very important. As a UH student, you may be wondering who can you turn to when you have a question or need support related to your well-being, mental health, disability or specific learning needs? Well, just to let you know and reassure you, there is already a fantastic team in place who know and understand your situation, especially during this challenging time. I am glad to say we had the chance to invite the University of Hertfordshire Student Wellbeing and Disability Team to the HSK Student Pod. We wanted you to hear directly from this wonderful and caring team. I now hand you over to Karen, who had the opportunity of meeting and interviewing Emma, Sharon, Helena, and Chris from the University of Hertfordshire Student and Wellbeing Disability Team.
1: Oh, hello, everybody. I'm with our University of Hertfordshire Student Wellbeing Disability team today, and I'm going to be talking to Emma, Helena, Sharon and Chris, and we're going to be talking about the sort of services that they're providing for you, generally and particularly over the Christmas period. Um, So I wonder if we could just start off with a a quick round of introductions. So if maybe I could come to Emma first.
8: Hi, Karen. And everyone listening. I'm Emma Diston. I'm the Head of Student Wellbeing for Disability and Pastoral Support at the moment. So my role across the university is to ensure that students are getting the appropriate support adjustments and sort of care and and getting their needs looked after appropriately.
1: Lovely, thank you. Can we move on to Helena? Hi, I'm,
2: I'm Helena. I'm Swedish so and I I was a mature student here at the university 2007 to 2010 and then I worked as a disability mentor for eight years before I became a disability advisor and so I worked a lot with students on the autistic spectrum mainly.
1: Okay thank you and Sharon?
9: Hi Karen so my name is Sharon Rosales. I'm a disability advisor as well working within the team. It's my role to meet with students as well to talk to them about the impact their disability is having on their studies and to agree reasonable adjustments with them thank you that's great and
1: chris
7: i'm chris i mean everyone seems to have covered everything but <laughs> i'm also a disability advisor so i do all the same things that helena and sharon do i also used to be a student here back in the day however long ago that was <laughs>
1: <laughs> lovely thank you it's lovely to meet you all So Emma, can you just give us a quick overview of the services that are available? Of
8: course. So within Student Wellbeing, we sit within the Dean of Students. So the Dean of Students office is responsible for everything non-academic, really, at the university. We look after students in halls of accommodation and also off-campus accommodation so that's the housing team within the dean of students and then we have the medical center which sits within the dean of students so any student registered as living on in halls or off campus but in the local area can register with our medical practice and then student wellbeing encompasses support for students with disabilities and that ranges from dyslexia to mental health to physical needs to wheelchair users to visual impairments, hearing impairments and I think the key really for us is that a lot of students with some disability don't perceive themselves to be disabled which is why we really push the student well-being of a student and our services so that students feel more comfortable coming to talk to us and we can help them to either determine what adjustments they need or sometimes they come to us and say this is what I need and and this is how you can support me. We also have the counselling team who are available for short-term counselling sessions um, but we can also refer out into longer term support networks if needed and we work very closely with the local mental health teams as well. And we have the chaplaincy within the Dean of Students as well. And Fiona, our wonderful chaplain, offers lots of pastoral support as well as her faith role.
1: That's lovely. Thank you very much. And obviously, we've been living through a really different time since March. And I think, Sharon, I wonder if you could say a little bit about how things have been over the COVID period.
9: Yeah, sure. So, Karen, the first thing I, I think I'd like to say is to say that we are here. We are here doing the same thing that we um, have been doing for a while. And that is meeting with students all but virtually. We are taking telephone calls, telephone appointments. Are providing a service, it's the same service, but it's delivered in a slightly different way. So we've always had an online presence. I think this year our online presence is a lot greater. We are offering virtual appointments, which we hadn't really engaged with much before the COVID crisis. So that has been, I, I think, a positive in that we can provide a more flexible approach to how students engage with our services. And students are engaging. They um, can contact Student Wellbeing directly via telephone or email. Appointments are booked in with us as advisors. And then we offer a virtual appointment or a telephone appointment. So, yes, yeah, so, but the general message is, is we are here. We are here to support students and we will talk to you about whatever needs individual needs you might have and what adjustments can be made in order to meet
1: those needs that's great thank you and i think this is the same for everybody you know things aren't going to go back to exactly how they were in the past i don't think and this online flexibility i think will will work really well as we go into the future i know you do get inquiries from a lot of hsk students and you do support a lot of our students what sort of things come through to you emma
8: I think primarily the the two key areas that students come forward with are specific learning difficulties. So that's sort of dyslexia type difficulties. ADHD is a specific learning difficulty and dyspraxia as well. And those students come forward really to get their disabled students allowance support. UK home students can apply for something called the disabled students allowance. And that funds support for them. So that funds additional sessions of tuition to help them with structure, planning, organisation and things like that. So that's probably the top inquiry that we get, but very closely followed by students who are struggling with their mental health. Now, that could be because of a particular situation and, and the current situation is Very stressful, or it could be in the lead up to a particular assessment or a particular period within their academic journey, or it could be a long term difficulty with their mental health. And we have students who have very complex diagnosed mental health difficulties, and we have students who have anxiety and depression, and those students are probably the second highest inquirers to the team. And it's just the message, even though you may not perceive yourself to have a disability, we are here and we can support you. So it's about looking at at what you need to do to achieve your course aims, what your professional regulation body requirements are, and what we can do within those to help you to achieve your course aims and, and graduate and be the best version of you that you can be. Yeah,
10: that's really helpful. Thank you. Obviously A lot of our, well, pretty much all
1: of our students go out on placement and often the requirements are quite different to the requirements that they have when they're in the academic setting. But if they've not been out in that setting before, it's quite hard for them to know what they need. I wonder if you might be able to speak a little bit about the support for students in in that situation. For
9: supporting students who go out on placement, we have two forms of documents that we use which really are the foundations of our support services. We've got a study needs agreement, which is the document where we record what adjustment a student requires and with their consent gets sent out to the academics. And the second document we have is a PPNA, which is stands for our practice placement needs agreement. And, and that's the document where we talk about placements. And sometimes it can be difficult to actually know what you're going to need in advance of being on placement and we're very aware of that and that informs part of the conversation that we have with the student and also the placement tutor. So it's a collaborative document where together we talk about what potentially could be a difficulty and what we can do in order to support that student whilst they're out in placement. Sometimes we do placement needs agreements per placement Sometimes the placement agreement may be generic and follow the student to their different placements. But again, one of the key parts of our role is communication, communication between the student, communication between staff and liaising together and supporting each other in order for the student to get the best possible support they can.
1: That's brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, It is such a different environment that uh, it's really good to know that the students have got that support. But also, as you say, working with the staff within the school as well um, to sort of get a a joined up piece of support for that student is is really helpful. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
8: What has been helpful, Karen, with the move to online is historically pre-COVID, as this will be in in history when we look back pre and post-COVID. Pre-COVID, we only offered one evening session, so students who were on placement were quite limited in being able to access our services. But of course, now with being able to offer a very virtual, very flexible approach to being able to engage with our services, students on placement are definitely finding it easier to engage with our service and to get the support that they need. And as Sharon has said, you know, the the practice placement needs agreement is something that which only really comes to life once students are in placement and they're, they're doing the role and going, oh, this is really difficult or, oh, actually, this isn't presenting as much of a problem. So we're able to very quickly respond to those. Yeah. So it's been, it's been definitely positive in that regard.
1: Excellent. Thank you. Chris, can I ask you a little bit more about your role, maybe about other sorts of support that are available to students?
7: Yeah. The study needs agreements that we write for students. I mean, one of the biggest things is disabled students allowance, making sure students can obviously apply for that. Obviously, there are occasional students that can't for whatever reason. And if that's the case, we do have equipment available to loan out to students whether that's like a laptop with any accessibility tech on it or um, we have like digital voice recorders things like that so they can record lectures so they can play them back for their own kind of revision purposes yeah
1: yeah there's quite a lot of assistive technology out
7: there isn't there there is quite a lot of free stuff that's available for university students as well which you can find on our student well-being page
1: okay yeah and we'll uh, obviously put the links. To those and let let students know how they can can access those that's great thank you i wonder if you could maybe give our listeners a bit of an overview of any services that are available or, or will be available in the run-up to and over christmas i know it, it can be a lovely time but for some people it can be difficult and particularly in our our current situation so i wonder if you've got anything you can tell our listeners about that
2: We have a heart virtual community Facebook group that we actually set up in the beginning of lockdown back in March. And at the moment, I think it's got 1,100-ish members, both some staff and some students. And obviously, in the beginning of the first lockdown, there was a lot of need of circulating information, keeping students that were in lockdown entertained and keeping people busy and reassuring and things. And this Facebook group is still running and obviously over Christmas, we're going to make sure that those students that are staying on campus and even the students that are not on campus anymore can check in on that group and see what's going on. We have an excellent international student support doctor called Adam who puts up a lot of quizzes and game nights and things. So there's a there's a nice virtual community there. So. It's called Heart's Virtual Community. So if anybody wants to join, you can just search that on Facebook.
1: Okay. Thank you. Anything else around the Christmas? I know you mentioned Fiona, the chaplain. Anything else happening? We may well have a lot of international students still on campus. So I just wondered if there was anything there.
8: Absolutely. So there are lots of students will stay on campus, either because they can't physically travel home or because they choose to stay on campus. We had a meeting yesterday with a group of students one of the students who, who lives in the UK said, actually, I'm going to stay on campus over Christmas period because I've got a lot of work to do, and it suits me to be in this environment because this is my study environment and this is where I know I will get my work done. So the Dean of Student's Office put on a range of activities over the Christmas period. So we will always have a presence on campus. So there will always be support available for students on campus. In addition to a range of activities, some of them will be Christmas orientated and some of them will just be activities whereby people will join together in in whatever manner we can under the government guidance. So at the moment, there's a programme of activities being put together and that will be released to, to the student community through the student comms channels that go out every week with the the new activities on them. And uh, it will be a combination of activities with the chaplain, Fiona, who, who will run some faith activities, but also some crafting activities and coffee mornings and a cuppa with the chaplain and things like that. And it isn't about faith. It's about connection. It's about having that That support network around you. There's also the Faith Societies, which will run activities per faith across the sort of month of December and into January. And then there will be, assuming government guidance allows, there will be a Christmas activity on Christmas Day. So there will be an opportunity for students to to join together under the government guidance of lockdown restrictions. So it might be smaller groups of people, it might be smaller groups of students, but whatever happens, there will be a range of activities for any student who's on campus, whether they're an international student or a home student, there will be a range of activities and lots of support available so that students don't feel disconnected over that period, because it isn't always
1: a jolly period for everybody. That's really good to hear. I know the university always does a lot of things over Christmas for students that are on campus, but I think it, it's going to be more important this year, isn't it? It
8: really is.
1: Yeah. I know we're sort of labelling it under Christmas, but it's really about that sense of belonging and keeping people together, as you say, isn't it, and connections. I know there are resources available, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about those and how students would access those.
8: Chris mentioned that there's assistive technology available available which is free and available to all students. And links to that can be found on Ask Hearts by typing into Ask Hearts student wellbeing and through the student wellbeing pages within Ask Hearts, there are links out to all of our resources, which sit either on the marvellous internet or within StudyNet. So each link will take you to a resource. So there's assistive technology resource. There are lots of self-help resources for students who might be struggling with their mental health or procrastination or perfectionism or managing anxiety. There are lots and lots of self-help resources and apps which are available to help students to help themselves there's the self-referral link to all of our services, which sits within our Hearts again. And any student can refer into our service. And it might be just to have the conversation about what support they might get if something were to come up in the future. All of our resources sit within the intranet within the university. So it's available to everybody and very easily accessible. So either by searching for student wellbeing on AskHarts or for searching for student wellbeing within StudyNet, you will come to our podcasts and worksheets and self-help resources and links then out to other external services.
1: Thank you for that, Emma. I think think the message that's coming through loud and clear is to students don't be afraid to get in touch even if you don't see yourself as someone who has a disability or a mental health issue if you've got an issue or need some support then get in touch with with your service and even if you can't do anything you'd be able to point them in the right direction is that sort of thing
8: that's absolutely right you know we are here we are offering a presence whether it's on campus for you know a, a a diagnostic assessment because you think you've always been dyslexic but you've never quite got round to it we can arrange that for you or just I'm actually having a really hard time and I don't know which way is up and sometimes just talking that through with a member of the team can make you realize that you're in the same situation as as everybody else not knowing which way is up or that maybe there might be something else going on, and then you can get the support that will help you to achieve. So definitely we are here and do get in touch.
1: That's great. I mean, I think that's that's the thing really, you know, that's what we're all here for is is helping our students to perform to their absolute best ability and to support them to do that. And obviously we do that within the school and we have personal tutors, but actually it is nice for the students to know there's somewhere else they can go and some support they can get from sort of wider university services as well. So, so that's excellent. So I suppose, really, just to ask if any of you got any final points that you'd like to make or any important issues you think that we've missed?
8: No, I think, I think that is the key message, isn't it? That, that's what we're here as a university. We are here to support our students and to enable them to be the very best version of themselves that they can be and to go on and thrive in their futures, you know
1: don't think we could say any better than that. So on that note, I'd just like to thank all of you so much for your time. And um, hopefully the students will, well, no doubt the students will be in touch with you. Okay, so thanks very much and bye for now. Thanks, Karen. Thank you, Karen.
8: Thank you, Karen.
0: Emma, Sharon, Elena and Chris, what an enlightening message you have left with our listeners. Thank you so much for the useful information you have shared with us today. I'm sure our student listeners are going to take on your key message and make use of the various services the student well-being and disability team has on offer, such as making use of the virtual appointments. Dear HSCPod listeners, including all other University of Hertfordshire students, as Emma, Sharon, Elena and Chris have summarized for us, I hope you are now more aware of what the Student Wellbeing and Disability team can do for you during your time at the University of Hertfordshire. I also hope you now know where they are best and how you can get in touch with them. Even if you have issues you think the Student Wellbeing and Disability team cannot deal with, please. Do not hesitate to contact them. If they feel they cannot help you, I'm sure they will be able to signpost you to someone who can. Don't forget, thank you very much, Karen, for this enlightening interview. We also thank you for all your efforts in organizing and making it possible for this interview to happen. It's great for the students to hear directly from the Student Wellbeing and Disability team. Thanks, Karen. As mentioned earlier, we feel COVID-19 has brought a lot of ongoing challenges and negative news. But we also know behind the suffering and ongoing challenges, we have also got some success stories despite the challenges we are going through. For this month's professional spotlight, we have our guests Eunice and Carol, one of our senior lecturers in the School of Health and Social Work at the University of Hertfordshire. Eunice and Carol are going to share a brief message with us on how they have managed to succeed in their teaching and clinical practice roles despite the ongoing COVID 19 lockdown challenges. I now hand you over to Jerry, who had the opportunity of meeting and interviewing Eunice and Carol.
11: Thank you, Richard. Well, we are joined in the HSK student pod by my colleagues, Eunice Circuit and by Carol Yearly. Very warm welcome, Eunice and uh, Carol. Now, I wonder if we could first get you to introduce yourself. So, shall we start with you, Carol? Would you like to say a little bit about yourself?
6: Thank you, Gerry. And um, thank you for inviting me to the HSK pod today to be part of the, the discussion. Really looking forward to that. And my name's Carol Yearley. By profession, I'm a nurse and a midwife, and probably the most part of my professional career I've been working at the University of Hertfordshire as a midwifery lecturer. I've retained close practice links all that time. But in a former life, I would say I was a nurse, but not for very long in practice. But I retain my nursing profession throughout the years. So I've been a midwife now for nearly 40 years. So, of course, I was only 10 when
10: I started. <laughs>
11: <laughs> Thank you. And Eunice?
10: Hello. My name is Eunice Circuit and uh, I'm one of the adult nursing lecturers on the uh, adult nursing program. So my clinical background prior to coming to work at the university worked as a palliative care clinical nurse specialist. And this is a role that I very much enjoy and I still do. So um, I still have clinical links and practice occasionally. And I think that's also very relevant to teaching. So we have an understanding of what's happening in practice, uh, coupled with what we're teaching students. Recently, yesterday became the adult field tutor for the MSC adult nursing program. So I'm very much looking forward to working with my colleagues in that role. And it really is a pleasure to be on the HSK student pod today. And like Carol, I'm really looking forward to it. Thank that's excellent.
11: Well. Thank you. Thank you both. Well, in these times, whenever we welcome people into the HSK pod, our, our first duty really is to ask after you. So how are you managing at the moment, both of you?
6: Well, today it's great. I went out for a fantastic walk with my friend this morning, so <laughs> was really energised through being outside, getting some exercise. It was a bit muddy, but the weather was gorgeous. So I'm feeling really good. Thank you.
5: That's
11: excellent. Thank you. And Eunice, how are you doing?
10: Very well, Jerry. Thanks for asking. As you know, we've had a quite a busy semester from September, welcoming new students and getting people settled in. And I think the climate is a lot calmer now. And it's good to see the students are settled in, and a lot of staff are also settled in. And so I feel good. I haven't been able to go for a walk because it's so foggy here where I am and cold. But I try to get some exercise in every day and feeling very well today.
11: Thank you. That's excellent to hear. Now, I know you've joined us today to share some ideas and messages with us about how you've experienced your teaching and indeed clinical practice role through the COVID pandemic and the challenges of lockdown and tier restrictions and so on. Perhaps I'll start with Eunice. How have you been able to continue to succeed through this COVID situation?
10: Thanks, Jerry. I think from March since the lockdown began and our way of life and teaching really changed, um, it's presented quite a lot of challenges in trying to understand this new way of living and the challenges of not being able to come into work to see your colleagues as well as teaching has been very, very difficult indeed. But I must say we've had tremendous support from our colleagues at the university and we've pulled together and we've worked even closer now than we would have done if we were in the university seeing each other face to face. We've come together as a team asking each other, how are you getting on, having regular contact with our professional leads, our programme leaders, and just... Keeping in contact has made a huge difference to how we have um, led our programs. Now, I think teaching on Zoom initially came as a huge shock for me because we're not used to it. But with time, it's been almost a blessing in disguise in the sense that we're able to access a lot of students at a time. We're able to find new ways of developing our courses, delivering them online some very innovative ways of teaching has come out as a result of what COVID has presented with. So even though it's been a challenging year, um, there's also been very good outcomes from the way we've had to change. So university and our relationships with students, for me, I think that I'm even able to do more tutorial support for students online because they know they can phone and they don't have to travel on buses or trains to get to the university. So. It's open new avenues for us to be able to have that contact. And overall, I think we've had some great rewards from working in this way. And we do hope that we can go forward with this blended learning and teaching approach for the next, well, how many years or well, months that we'll have to do this for.
11: Yeah, It's been quite inspiring to watch staff and students come together, work together flexibly and adapt. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Eunice. Um, it's, it's lovely to hear that. And I, I feel that all over the university, we've seen staff and students working together to make the best of the situation and even find advantages. But certainly the adaptability and flexibility in, in all of the student groups has been incredibly impressive. Carol, would you like to talk to us about your experience?
6: Thank you, Jerry. I'd just like to say that everything that Eunice has said, I accord with. So I completely get that. Um, everything she said is very familiar to me. For my own situation, I had been out of everyday teaching in the university in that full-time role for a little while. So I, I was invited to um, run a post graduate master's module which I'm very familiar with but I wasn't familiar with doing it in an online medium so like Eunice big big learning curve for me in fact sometimes I wonder in life whether you have capacity to learn anymore but Mm -hmm. actually (laughs) you know sometimes you feel oh dear I just can't I don't know whether I can do this Mm -hmm. but I have to say now the modules come to an end I feel it was such an achievement for everybody involved. Um, But I couldn't have done it without the IT support that I received. And um, I'd say they're my best friends now. The way that I receive the support for the technical issues in terms of preparing for the module, the learning that I've had for myself, it's been quite a privilege and an amazing opportunity for me. Thinking of the students, because they're our customers, if you like, they're our clients, you know, I'm very aware of how they've had to adapt taking on learning in this new virtual way. But I have to say, as a clinician myself, like Eunice, we are adaptable. We've been able to learn and adapt to different ways of learning. There's a lot of online learning that goes on Mm. in our trust already. And from the student perspective, particularly for the post registration students, this way of learning has been really beneficial. So, students have said that they've missed contact within the classroom, the networking, but we've had to develop different ways of networking. And um, I've been very impressed with the way that they've adapted. And I've felt supported as a module leader in working with my students so that we're a learning community together. They've been incredibly patient and understanding with any technical challenges that we've had, and we've just got through it together. And um, looking at their feedback that they said, they, like Eunice was saying, they value not having to travel, not having to worry about parking at the university. It's fitted in with their own work and life commitments. And going forward, whilst COVID has presented many challenges. It's given us insights into new ways of doing things, which might not replace the old ways, but could be a blended way of combining the best of all worlds. So that's how I feel in terms of my experience as as a lecturer. From a clinical perspective, it's been a great opportunity for me to return to practice. So normally when we're working full time in a busy role, we have very little time to be working in practice. And whilst, you know, both Eunice and I said we've retained close links with practice, they, those were within our educational roles. But in April this year, we had every midwife and every nurse got an email, personal email, saying, you know, are you considering coming back into practice? And I thought, actually, yes, this is an opportunity for me. So I joined um, the bank at my local hospital where they knew me before and returned to practice as a midwife, as a band six midwife, and had the best time, really. I was very well supported by my colleagues and it did help that a lot of the clinicians were my past students, so I think they felt a bit sorry for me. (laughs) But, um, you know, I was able to apply the knowledge and experience that I have as a midwife in the clinical area. I was able to work with any student that needed to work with somebody and really got an insight of how it was for our students to experience COVID in the situation and probably most importantly, the women and their families as well.
11: Yeah, that's, that's brilliant, Carol. Eunice, I think I'm right in saying that you've also had a little bit of uh, clinical practice experience recently. Is that right? How have you been experiencing things out there?
10: My clinical role, I said, is in specialist palliative care in the community. And during the pandemic, when I went out into practice, obviously, there was a huge difference in how palliative care was being delivered. So we had a new, nice guidance that sort of spelled out what was needed in helping patients to of dying, their preferred place of care, supporting families. And what we found a bit challenging was that we had to revise the way we went out to visit patients. So you would only do necessary, only essential clinical visits, which meant that a lot of our practice had to move online, or you'd just do telephone consultations or trying to have a similar consultation with a family online, which is not something that we were used to as palliative care professionals. And also being in practice, having to maintain social distance in a patient's home, um, having uh, very sensitive conversations, wearing a face mask proved quite challenging. But in all of that, we did find that the very essence of the philosophy of palliative care was still maintained we're still able to make sure that people achieved their wishes and preferences, their families felt supported, even though we couldn't visit as frequent as we wanted to, we're still able to have important conversations um, over the phone and work collaboratively to make sure that patients had what they really wanted. And I think what was important an um, important learning point for my clinical role is that in preparing students' for practice, going to clinical practice, there was a lot of anxiety around going out to nurse patients who may be COVID positive or who could uh, be suspected, there's a suspicion that they might have COVID. And a lot of students were concerned about how they would manage that. But I think having had that experience, I was able to share with them that although you might find it frightening and you might feel anxious about it, there are structures in place to support you. Like I had that experience, you would have your full PPE to do that visit. Patients are tested, so you would be informed of. And I think one thing I found quite interesting was that obviously from the reports we've had about COVID, the BME population were at a higher risk of catching COVID. And a lot of students were anxious about that because we do have a huge BME population in our nursing cohort, and I think people were worried that if I'm at a high risk of getting COVID, why do I want to put myself in that position? And so I was able to have that conversation and say, although we are at a higher risk, there are precautions you can take to make sure that you are protected, and also being able to voice your concerns if that's how you feel. So being in practice and experiencing that, yes, we're still able to deliver good end-of-life care. And I think, I mean, we've had a lot of deaths and we, we're still able to support patients quite well, even given the challenging circumstances we're in. I think that made a difference. And hopefully, well, sharing my experience with students would hopefully also encourage them that you can go out there and you can work and there's, there's structures to protect you. And some of the feedback we've had from our students who have actually in placement now is although some of them went in quite anxious, they feel a lot better having had some of these conversations before going. And yes, COVID is still real, but they feel more prepared to care uh, Mm -hmm. compared with when they started to go. So I think it's been a positive positive experience.
11: That's really excellent, Eunice. Thank you. Well, can I turn to you? Eunice is talking there about encouraging students in this situation. I just wondered if you'd like to say something about the way your students have risen to this challenge and responded to the, to the situation.
6: Yes. Again, what Eunice has said, I, I totally understand. So she's working primarily in the community setting as a midwife. Midwives work in the community and in the hospital as well. I was working on a postnatal ward. It was at the time, the beginning of April, when the most severe lockdown and restrictions were put in place. And our first year students were removed from the clinical area at that time to study online. Our third year students were offered an extended practice placement because it was really important so that they were finishing, they were on the home straight, and they were finishing finishing their program uh, at the time that they were expected to. And what I saw when I was working with them, being uh, at the coalface, if you like, was the, 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 um, their adaptability, their resilience, and, and their being able to rise to the challenge. So I would say that, our certainly talking about our senior students, they stepped up. And it made me feel so proud. And talking to them as well, they felt well supported. Now, there were a lot of additional staff brought in at that time. So more staff than we were normally used to on the ward area. Also, no visitors at that time, which was problematic for, of course, the mums because they were missing their partners. They were only permitted to have their one birthing partner with them when they were in established labour. Now, in the normal world, their partners are with them on the postnatal ward as well. So it was a very unusual situation for women who were themselves apprehensive. We did have some COVID-positive ladies as well. And like Eunice was saying, there could have been anxiety for the students, but I didn't really sense it. I just sensed that we were working very closely as a team, supporting each other as a team, using the PPE and following the guidance for barrier nursing and caring for certain COVID positive women in the way that you would do for anybody. When somebody has an infection, you you don't stop caring. You shouldn't stop caring. Those people need more support and more communication than ever. We had more time to talk to our women and to support our students to provide the care for their women and I felt very much part of the team. I remember one particular young mum, she had little boy, only a couple of days old. In fact, she'd gone home and she had to be readmitted because she had COVID and she had her baby with her, feeling particularly lonely, missing her partner. And she was uh, being cared for in a side room to protect herself and others from the COVID. And um, I just remember going in there and talking to her as I would to anybody. And I offered her um, a cup of tea, (laughs) which is such a such a small thing to do. And I checked her over, checked the baby over and had time to talk to her. It was such a privilege. And um, actually, when she went home afterwards, she um, she emailed the, the hospital to to thank Thank them for the care and to say um, what a difference the cup of tea made. Mm. And, and it's just a reminder to students and to all practitioners that that's such a small thing that we do, um, but some, that's something that clearly makes such a difference. And as we were talking together as a team of staff, And we were saying, do you remember, it was like this in the olden days. (laughs) There were no visitors around. We had time to talk to the women. And um, it was just the same, you know. And uh, I think whatever area of nursing or midwifery, midwifery you're working in, you know, you go into that area because you want to spend time with your clients. And that was one of the positive things that COVID did. It helped to keep you grounded. It helped keep things in perspective. You know, we we are working under pressure. We are working with potentially a dangerous virus, but actually, people are still people and they still need the care and support. They've still got the same questions and we still need to be there for them. So, those students who were on that extended placement have now finished and they've all qualified now and they are going to be fantastic. This experience has enabled them to make that transition from senior student to newly qualified midwife, perhaps in a way that wouldn't have happened if COVID hadn't have been around.
11: That's brilliant, Carol. Thank you. Listening to both of you speaking there about how students have responded, I, as we look across the whole school and our students out on placement. Some of them volunteering. I think that as a school, we can be incredibly proud of the the student body, the skill and the commitment that they've put into to the work that they've been doing for the benefit of people who are understandably anxious about how they're going to receive their care while this virus is around. And to have you two and our students doing those small things, reassuring, because we all know it's not always about the practical clinical skills that we supply; it's the human to human part but is so important in, in everything that our professions in the school do. So it's great to hear you say that. I wonder if I could ask you, perhaps I could ask you first, uh, Eunice, if this message that we're talking about today, what's the importance of that, do you think, as students are listening to that? And indeed, our colleagues as staff are listening to our conversation.
10: I'll start with students. For students, I think, first of all, they need to be very proud of themselves, and um, that during this pandemic and all the challenges that has come up as a result of this they've demonstrated their ability to engage with a very different world of teaching and they've gone out into placement and they've um, embraced what was going on they've stepped up as we've said and they've delivered very good patient care and even the way we're teaching They've engaged with the materials we've come up with. They've attended their Zoom sessions. And when it comes to things like our simulation labs, you know, normally we'll bring them into our simulation labs and have face to face sessions, but even that we've had to reduce that. But students have adapted and found new ways of learning. And so, first of all, they should be very proud of what they've achieved so far and moving forward. They've come to this program with such high hopes, and it is our hope that we'll be able to meet that expectation that we have in supporting them. There are students who have not had it as easy as they would have expected. It's been challenging. And for those students, we'd like them to know that there's support available for them. So you've got your personal tutors, you've got your module leaders. Um, you've got your students' reps uh, available. So it's to make good use of all the, the support systems that are available to you and then work in collaboration with us to ensure that we can meet your expectation and help them to excel. And for our colleague, yet again, very proud of every one of them. We've worked since March. Very, very innovative ways of working has come out from the way we've planned our lessons, the meetings we've had. I know we've had significant challenges with registration and getting our modules underway this year, but yet again, there's been a lot of hard work and people have really stepped up and made sure that we've delivered what we intended to do and to get this semester up and running. So COVID, yes, is here. We're still trying to do the best we can, but we've done probably more than we think We can think, and uh, we probably it's good for us to also step back and appreciate how far we've come since March. The number of innovative ideas that we've come up with and the support we've been able to give. I think it's good that we step back and appreciate how far we've come.
11: That's brilliant. Thank you so much. And, Carol. Time is going to defeat us shortly but I wonder if you'd like to say anything to students and staff while you have the opportunity here in the HSK pod.
6: Thanks Jerry I'd just like to add really to what Eunice has already said. You know we read a lot in the professional journals about resilience and I think COVID this COVID pandemic has really taught us about resilience. When you see practitioners who have been working in practice for many years what is it about those practitioners who have kept them there all that time? It is about being able to be resilient, to kind of like get up when you've been knocked down, to learn from experiences and to adapt. And we've certainly had to adapt in this situation. And coming through that adaptation, you can celebrate You can celebrate your successes. And perhaps we don't do that enough. You know, we need to be telling each other how well we're doing. It's always nice to get some positive feedback. Mm. So everyone hears about the negative feedback, but we don't hear about the positives enough. So perhaps for each other and for ourselves, we need to be celebrating our successes mm. ourselves, mm. telling each other how well other people are doing. That's one thing I think that we could all be doing a bit more of. And when the going gets tough, go- what's to say? When the going gets tough, tough, the tough get going. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. And even being in this HSK pod today has really given me some positive messages to take away going forward. And sharing our experiences, perhaps when things really do feel tough, there were times when I felt like that trying to learn how to use panopto or whatever it was (laughs) on the it module you're not alone because Mm. there are other people that are feeling like that and when you have perhaps challenges try and learn from them so that you can move forward even every day try and find something positive even if you've had a rubbish day and you think oh it couldn't be worse Think of something positive that's come out of the day, however small, and focus on that, because I think that will keep you going. And one last thing, we were talking about feeling proud, feeling proud of what you're doing in your profession. Yeah, it is to be celebrated. The National Health Service, with all its allied professions, is the envy of the world. And I think However difficult we've found the situation with this pandemic, which has been worldwide, it's taught us that certainly joining the nursing, midwifery and allied health professions is something to be proud of. And I think this pandemic's probably done more for positive recruitment than maybe some of the open days and other strategies that we've used, because people look to the NHS and they say, I want to join that profession. I want to be like that. The ads that we see out there, it is what it's like, that camaraderie, that support, all the positive things that brought you into that profession still remain. And I think we need to keep sight of those things.
11: Thank you so much. Well, Carol, Eunice, massive thank you for joining us in the HSK pod and giving us the benefit of your insights this fascinating listen and i know it's going to be very valuable to the listeners so just to say thank you very much indeed both of you
10: thank you very, very much then. Thank,
11: you. thank you and back to
5: richard
0: Eunice, Carol, thank you for the beautiful, inspiration, and empowering message you have left with our listeners. I'm sure our listeners, including the staff listeners, have enjoyed listening to your message like I have. Thank you for sharing your COVID-19 lockdown experience and those empowering words. Jerry, what can I say? Thank you for the professional and beautiful interview you have given us. We always appreciate the time taken by our interviewers to come and interview our guests. Don't forget, I just need to say, I am sure our listeners have loved the superb sound quality from your end like I have. I wish to thank our guests, Omara, Kelichi, Felix, Eunice, Caro, Emma, Sharon, Helena, Chris, Julia, Jerry, and Karen for the good messages they have shared with us today. It's always a pleasure to have you on the HSK Student Pod. Also need to thank all other anonymous staff members who have made this episode to be a success. Thank you for all your support and creative ideas. We do appreciate. Please, if you have not yet done so, do not forget to sign up to the HSK student podcast so that you can receive new episodes automatically. This can be done by either downloading and installing the SoundCloud app, which is a free app which will give you easy access to the podcast episodes. Those who have iPhones can also get access to the podcast through the iTunes download list. I also need to encourage you to remind five friends of yours to listen to this podcast episode. By doing this, you are doing your part to help build the HSK staff student community. Please, do get in touch if you've got an idea or a message you'd want to share with our listeners. Nothing is too small to be shared. Just send an email to richard.matovo2 at hearts.sc.uk. That is R for Richard, M for Mother, A for Apple, T for Thomas, O for Office, V for Victor, U for Umbrella, then you write a number 2, then followed by this is the usual at hearts.se.uk. We are always delighted to hear from our listeners. (music) Dear listeners, before we end our podcast, just in case you have not yet done so, please, Look out for the news and information related to the Fika Mental Fitness app. You need to install this app on your phone and make use of the wonderful well-being activities and resources it has on offer. As an HSK student, you have access to the premium version already paid for by the school, so please make use of this wonderful resource. For more details on how to access and install the Fika Mental Fitness app, please visit the school site under the news section. And also this information should be available on your program sites and many module sites have also got this information. (music) Dear HSKPod listeners, we all know these are unsettling times and COVID-19 is clearly affecting our personal, social and professional lives, including those that we love. I wanted to wish you, your loved ones and your fellow colleagues, a safe passage through this difficult period. It is challenging operating under the current restrictions, however, I am confident we will get through this together. Lastly, I just need to say, please look after yourselves and your loved ones. Stay positive and find some time for relaxing and doing those things that you love doing in a safe environment. I wish you a good Christmas and New Year celebrations. I also hope you have a wonderful time during the festive period with your family and friends despite the challenges that we are going through. Bye bye from Richard your host and join us in our next HSK student pod which will have something fresh and new to listen to.
1: Baby!